From Be Still, Be Free, it's the Bcast with Amber Miller, Sarah Godey, and Monica Steely. For more resources and information related to today's episode, please visit www.bestillbefree.com. Hello and welcome to Be Still, Be Free. My name is Amber Miller and I'm here today with Monica Steely and Sarah Godey. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> um, we have had a very eventful morning. We <laughs> have just interviewed um, Shauna Nequist, which has been a highlight for sure. Uh, yeah. We are talking with her about her new book that's just come out, Savor, um, which is a phenomenal book. And yes. um, so we're going to play for you in just a few minutes um, our clip of our uh, interview with Shauna Nequist. I know. And before um, before we play that, we just want to give you a little bit of background information in case you're not too familiar with Shauna, which I, if, if you are, you need to just figure that out and get she's it fixed. The um, greatest. But Shauna is a wife. She's a mom. She's a speaker. She's a blogger. She's an author. Um, she's written the books Bread and Wine, Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet. And her latest book just released um, at the beginning of March, and it's a 365 daily devotional called Savor, Living Abundantly Where You Are, As You Are. Um, she writes for other websites such as the Storyline Blog with Donald Miller and the If Table. Um, she teaches at her church. She's married with two boys. And um, she believes that vulnerable storytelling, hard laughter, and cold pizza for breakfast can cure almost anything, as you'll hear her mention. Yes, that is <laughs> yes. so great. In our recording. So um, we're just thrilled to have her with us. And you can get her book at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at all the major retailers. And her website is shawnanequist.com. And we'll link to all of that over at bestillbefree.com. Well, and we will be giving away a copy of her book as well, will we not? Yes, we are. So go to um, bestillbefree.com and enter in the giveaway and we will send you your own copy and let us let me tell you this book is beautiful it is beautiful gorgeous like it's not just pretty in typography like the cover is like a canvas literally it's a keepsake that you're going to want to have out because my it's husband pretty. was like this is the most beautiful book i've ever seen yeah my yeah. husband a man yes <laughs> well you know a funny story is is that um i received one in the mail and we had agreed that monica was going to kind of dialogue this interview and so um i was going to bring her the book to have so she could get going and um when it came in the mail and i saw it i was like oh i'm i don't want to give this away. i don't want to <laughs> keep it it's so pretty <laughs> i know we almost had to come to fisticuffs about the book <laughs> and then monica was like oh you don't have to give it to me i have my own and i was like praise jesus <laughs> yes, keep it. So pretty. well and we have been um we, we've been going through the devotional like it, it's it's a really fantastic thing so we encourage you to um comment or, you know, do whatever. We, you know, there's a whole bunch of different options so on how to enter and enter the giveaway. Yeah, so get a free copy. Get on it. So with that yep. being said, here is our interview with Shauna Nequist. Enjoy. So what, Shauna, is your favorite food? Uh, pizza. Really? <sighs> Yeah, like fancy, totally. especially cold pizza for breakfast. That's like <laughs> that was really not what I was expecting. <laughs> if I, and like cheap pizza, yeah, not not like it has to be like artisan pizza from an Italian restaurant, not like, like goat cheese and fig or anything crazy. <laughs> no, I mean I like that. I love it. I, but cold but pizza. So you know, we had this amazing week and and things were so exciting. And so the first day, Aaron was like, "I will take you anywhere you want for dinner. What do you want?" And I was like, "I seem to remember we have a frozen pizza and someone brought over <laughs> a bottle of champagne." And so I'm basically living my dream scenario. That so. is 
so amazing. Okay, so what is your least favorite food? Um, I, this is this is controversial. Um, I have a couple things I really really dislike. I, I will eat almost anything. I'm not wild about ham. Oh, I'm really not, uh, not wild about white chocolate. I don't, I Mm -hmm. like regular chocolate very, very much. Mm -hmm. I do not like white chocolate. And I also, this is the one that really makes people angry. Like I had someone say like, I thought we could be friends until this. (laughs) I really am not down with cinnamon. That is, I'm I'm totally with you on the cinnamon and white chocolate. Yes. Oh, that's wow. rare. Most people consider it like sort of like a, a block for our relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like we, like, na- we now actually can be better friends because of the cinnamon. <laughs> okay. You may have okay, found good. your soulmate. It's, I think so. <laughs> white chocolate <laughs> and cinnamon hatred is like what's going to bind you together forever. Always. Um, okay. So, Shauna, as a speaker, you're in front of people a lot. And um, we wanted to know, have you ever had an embarrassing moment on stage? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I feel like most of my moments on stage are embarrassing. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, something happened just recently. Oh, this was very recently. This was like in December. Uh, this is at my church, large church. Um, and we just started this thing where it's um, live on the internet, right? So oh, yeah. it's not just a big room full of people. <laughs> it's also live on the internet right then. And I was doing this talk and it was an Advent message about, and it was about John the Baptist and kind of his, the prophecy preceding him. And then what he says will bring about the birth of Christ and the kingdom of Christ. And, and it's essentially one of the things he's saying is... Um, if you have two coats in your closet, you should give one to someone who needs it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm saying, so it's have to give one. If you were to look through your whole life with a have to give one mentality, all of a sudden you realize how overstuffed your closets are, how overstuffed your mm-hmm. cabinets are, you know. And But I really get going. I'm really excited. And I keep saying have one, give no. two. Have <laughs> one, give two. And I keep saying it. And then all of a sudden I catch myself and I say like, have I been saying it wrong the whole time and no one corrected me and they all just crack up oh laughing. My and I just, and I just stopped like, and, and I had just made a joke earlier about how I, I sometimes get self-conscious about what skills I lack. And I was like, Oh, so, you know, one of the skills clearly that I lack is math. I'm so sorry. And so it's just one of those, like, you can't recover from it. You just have to stop. And yes. like, I'm, I'm so, so sorry about myself. Just so, call it out. And then the hardest thing was I had to do it one more time. That was at the nine o'clock service. And I had oh. to do it at the 11. <clears throat> And I was like, I told like the team backstage, like, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right this time. And, and, and I'm, I'm like, and I, I was concentrating. So you could like see like beads of sweat breaking out of my face. Like, I'm doing it this time. I'm going to get it right. So that's awesome. Because once you say it wrong one time, yeah. then it's yes. like, yeah. And then it's so hard to ever say it right again. It's just stuck in your mind yes. forever. I yeah, know. Oh, I man. know. Or you could turn it into a story about the miracles of Jesus and how if you give one, he multiplies. <laughs> yeah. totally, that's what I said. I was, like, I was basically trying to like get you to invent things in your home, right? Like to multiply them and then give them away. I'm so sorry. I'm not Asking you to do that. If you're willing, if you're willing to give away one, God will give you two. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. If your faith is strong enough, uh, yeah, we actually need bigger closets. Is what you're trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Shauna. So we saw recently that you were in Israel and Palestine. Is that right? Yes. Yes. How cool is that? Can you tell us a little bit about the trip? Oh, it was just amazing. So my mom, um, most of her work these days is she's, she's an, an advocate for peacemaking in Israel and Palestine. And, mm. um, and so she's been there. I like, we were trying to count, I think like 10 times in the last five years and then, um, invited my husband along. He's been five times. My dad and my brother have been with all these friends who've gone and it was just never the right time for me, mostly in terms of kids. Like I was pregnant mm-hmm. or I was nursing or babies were too little. And I finally said like, 
I had, I've been to Israel and Palestine when I was in college, but that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, now it's, it's time. And I put together, it was so cool. My mom and I put together a trip. There were 25 women. Um, and mostly writers and bloggers and just dear friends of mine from all over the country, a couple of them from all over the world. Um, and so we went to kind of, and it was basically two things. It was certainly to visit some of those Holy Land sites. We went to the Sea of Galilee and the Mount of Beatitudes and St. Mm-hmm. Peter's Church and uh, the place where they believe Jesus was born and where he was buried. Um, but then we also met with people um, who are interested in active present-day peacemaking in terms of the the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. And that was just fascinating. So, you know, there's a group uh, called the Parents Circle, and it's a group of people, and they say, we don't want any more members. We don't want any of you to join our group because it's a group of individuals who've lost a direct family member in the conflict. Mm. And so they say, we would hate for you to be in the circumstance that we're in. So we don't want you to join. Uh, But if this has happened to you, we believe that reconciliation is the only way. And we believe that we can carry each other's grief together. Uh, And and so it's just this amazing group. And we met with lots of different groups like that who are committed to peace, who are kind of committed to a new way of making peaceful relationships between those two groups. And it was totally extraordinary. That is beautiful. That sounds amazing. Wow, That's that got to be fascinating. Good. If I could be a fly on a wall for something like that, yes. that would just be absolutely amazing. That is so Totally. Cool. And it's one of those places where the, the, the more you learn, the more you realize how much you have to learn. Yeah, I mean, it's right. so yes. complicated and there are so many layers to it. But one of the, what we did with the parent circle, we met with just the women in the parent circle. And one of the things they do together is they make jam together. They, they take over this restaurant kitchen and it's many quite old, like grandmother-aged women from Palestine and from Israel. And together they make jam and then they sell it um, mm. to raise money for, for their nonprofit. And they invited us into it. And most of the women overwhelmingly don't speak English. English. None yeah. of us speak Arabic or Hebrew. And it was like, you just realize, like, we don't have to speak the same language language for this beautiful old woman to boss me around in the kitchen. <laughs> you know? She was just the like, you know, yeah. told me exactly how to slice the lemons, told me exactly when to stop stirring, slap my hand when I got it, you know, when I was going to turn down the heat. Like, it was just the sweetest, mo- loudest, craziest. And there were probably 50 of us in a ref- restaurant kitchen. Wow. And we made uh, pumpkin lime and lemon and spiced oh. apple and yeah. strawberry. These amazing jams. You, no recipes anywhere. They're oh. just dumping stuff in. We don't know what it is. Oh. It was so fun. How it was just really beautiful. For? Hmm? How long have they been doing, like, making jam together? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I know that uh, many of them, I, I know that the woman who leads the group, her name is Robbie, and she lost her son 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I would imagine that she gathered this group together around the time that her son was killed. Yeah. So um, it was just, an, you know, you look around that, that room and you realize, I, I, I don't have... Uh, I don't speak your language, and so I don't know what you've lost, but I know that it's something. I know that your heart has been mm-hmm. absolutely broken by this, and that's what holds you all together and what makes you committed to relationship and to peace. It was absolutely amazing. So What, what I it? love about that story is that I think when we're here in the States and we just see our very first world issues, um, both in the church and in the community and in our culture, we just forget about the rest of the world around us so easily. And here you are doing life, doing, you know, community in a kitchen, having a task together. Like that's just a beautiful picture of how heaven's going to be because it's not going to just be our little denomination or our little community, our little culture, our America. 
it's going to be this vast amount of people with so many different backgrounds and so many different stories and um but all just with with the salvation of Christ and we're all going to be in heaven today one day and doing work together and i don't know like i get very excited about stuff like that um because it just kind of gives you that mind's eye of man heaven's going to be a beautiful place mm-hmm. Totally. And and we felt that. And we had so many moments of, yeah, like, it is exactly what you said. So easy when you're in your life. There were even things that we joked about that, like, like you're literally, you know, there's a time where we're standing on the Gaza border, Ugh. which is, you know, obviously a place of such dramatic loss mm-hmm. just this summer. And then, you mm-hmm. know, and we're like, um, the Wi-Fi on the bus is not working. <laughs> and, and then you catch yourself and you're like, okay, okay, okay. That's a first world problem. Yeah. Totally. So many of the things that really occupy our days. Uh, are, are really blips on, on yeah. the larger radar of all the important things happening in our world. And I, part of the reason I love traveling so much is because it reminds you of that. It makes you feel small yes. in a really appropriate way. Absolutely. It makes some of your annoyances feel really, really peripheral. And I think that's so healthy. So oh, what was it like so coming back from what you experienced there, like in, immediately jumping into a um, book launch? Like, did it change your perspective or your feelings about the, about the book launch or is it different than it has been with other books? Like what was that dynamic like? You know, it, it really did. Um, and I, we joked about it. One of the, one of our guides sent me an email uh, a couple days ago and he was like, I can't, I'm like watching you on Instagram. I can't believe you were like running around Jerusalem with me two days ago and now you're doing this. Um, he said gallivanting. I can't believe you were gallivanting around Jerusalem two days ago and now you're doing this. And I said, you know what? I think I really needed the gallivanting. And I, I, t- I joked with him that I'm going to schedule a trip there every time I have a book come out. Because, you know, I mean, I love this book. I've been working on it for a long time. It really matters to me. I've been praying about it. And at the same time, it's just a book. It's not that mm-hmm. big a deal. This is fun. I'm excited. I'm proud of it. But I watched people living in Real, in literally life and death situations. And this is just a book. And I feel very open handed about it. I feel very thankful, but I don't feel that like extreme anxiety, like everything rides on this or this mm-hmm. defines me or this means something cosmic for the rest of like, it's, it's just a book and that's really freeing. Yeah. I would imagine that it would be. Um, and it's, that actually kind of leads into something that I wanted to chat with you about. We are absolutely going to talk more about Saver too, but Sarah and I were at a loom in October and got to hear you speak yes. and, um, it be still be free. Like our whole mission is to let women's doing flow out of their being. And the mm-hmm. story that you told at the beginning of your talk, like Sarah and I kept staring each, at each other, slack jawed. Like this is exactly where our listeners are. This is exactly where we have been of trying to let our, our doing define who we are. Um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about like that experience you talked about, like how in Dallas and you, um, were just kind of a soldier of efficiency and just like running your home, like in a military style in your life. And you had kind of lost part of who you really were in that. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I, I think, and I keep trying to figure out why exactly right now. And I, but I think it's really common for women, and these are like the most massive generalizations. But in terms of, you know, anecdotally, when I talk with my girlfriends, um, when you have little kids and you have a career that you love, especially a freelance career that you could sort of be doing all the time in your home, um, there's a tremendous temptation for efficiency to be the highest goal. Um, there's a great, Wayne Muller wrote an amazing book called On Being, Doing, and Having Enough. And it's not a parenting book, but he has this line in it that says, uh, modern, in modern parenting, we've mistaken efficiency for love. And when I heard that line, I just like, 
put down the book and cried. And but I think if it, um, it's easy for me to think that, you know, if the laundry's done, if there's a healthy dinner on the table, if their little fingernails are clipped and their backpacks are packed, if their sheets are changed, if they're blah 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 blah, blah then I'm doing it right. right. And then mm-hmm. you have this career side of it. And if if you're in any way, if what you're doing is connecting with people, then you get more and more opportunities to connect with more and more people. There are more articles to write. There are more trips to take, and right. that can spiral faster than you think it will. Mm -hmm. And I I found myself. So I had this moment, I was in a hotel room in Dallas and I was on a break speaking at a retreat. And I realized I laid down on the bed and I said, I, if anyone else would like to try to live this life I've created for myself, they're welcome to it, but Mm -hmm. I can't bear the weight of it anymore. I'm, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being exhausted. I'm tired of having to think 15 steps ahead all the time just to get anything done. I got into this business, the business of parenting and the business of writing, because I wanted to be deeply connected Mm -hmm. to my children and Mm -hmm. deeply connected to people through writing. But the pace at which I was doing it made me really disconnected mm. from myself, from my own soul, from my relationship with God, from my kids, uh, from the people I was writing to and about. It, it cost me something in terms of soul and presence and ability to taste and see and feel. And um, I have some friends who I just absolutely adore who I would say are like, they were made to run military organizations. They're like, yeah. they, I mean, they could like, they should be like in charge of the Olympic opening ceremonies and, and they're at their best when they're doing that. They're, mm-hmm. they're free and they're happy and, and it, it brings them to their best self. I love that. I tried to be that and it does not bring me to my best self. Yeah. It, te- mm. it, it, it kind of shaves away the good parts of me. And what we're left with is just like bossy and kind of sad. And it's just, it's not who I want to be. It's not, it's not the person I want my kids to grow up with, you know, mm-hmm. um, at my best, I'm silly and I'm warm and I'm a good listener and I can make things fun and I can make things seem a little less tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I lost the ability to be those things. So the last like two and a half years or so have been kind of reclaiming those parts Mm -hmm. and leaving behind that massively productive kind of superwoman because she's not really me. And, 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 and I didn't feel the way I wanted to feel doing those things. I thought if I worked hard enough, I would feel deeply whole on the inside. Mm -hmm. I just felt deeply tired on the inside. It, It was like, like, the, the ads didn't live up to the product. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I bought, I bought a product that didn't make me feel the way I wanted to feel. And so now I'm in the process of kind of rebuilding that whole thing. Um, I work so much less than I used to. I travel so much less. Um, I say yes to so many fewer things. Mm. Um, I go to bed earlier. Um, I don't work out as much. Our house is messier. All of those things, like across the board. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've had to kind of tighten my relational circle to focus on a few people as opposed to a million different people. Um, and I have to tell you, it's better. Um, mm. My my day-to-day life is better. My relationship with my kids is better. My relationship with God, with my friends, with my husband, my ability to connect deeply with the world around us, to see and feel, um, it, it's working. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I got a second chance at a meaningful way of living, and I'm so thankful. What I a think, beautiful thing to say. This is yeah. so encouraging for us to hear because we, uh, you know, as we've started this journey of be still, be free, we have found this message. God is permeating this through women everywhere. Right. Um, to hear you say this, we, you know, 
uh, talked with Lisa Turkhurst about her book, The Best Yes. The Fringe Hours has just come out. All of these things, and they're saying the same message. It, you know, be still to be totally. free. Totally. Right. It's totally. Beautiful. And I love Lisa and I love her message. I love Jessica. I love her message. I think you're exactly right that there's something about uh, where we are culturally, where women are absolutely um, overrun by mm-hmm. pressure to be a million different things. And so I think their books and their voices are really important ones on this topic. So how did that, um, how did that, the experience over the last two and a half years, how did all of that like change your writing and, and evolve into savor? Like, do you think, feel like savor is kind of a good representation of what that journey has been like for you? Well, you know, absolutely. Some of why I was interested in doing it, <coughs> excuse me, I came back from Israel with just a wicked cold, so I sound <laughs> no, terrible. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, and we all have it, so we're all, like, texting each other, like, in L.A., <laughs> and in New York, and in D.C., like, is your cold as bad as mine? What are you taking? Anyway, it's um, too much time on a bus together. Yes, exactly. Um, too many Sharing all the same germ. Sharing. Um, so, you know, part of it for me was, you know, one of the first steps of this kind of new way of living for me was slowing down, certainly. It was just being less busy, just having fewer things to do in the same amount of hours. But I thought that maybe that was all I needed. And then I realized that this was not just essentially logistical. Mm. This was also mm-hmm. spiritual. Yeah. Um, I had become a, a, a soldier, a, a machine in many ways. And I, I, I got into this funny place where um, instead of asking God for help, I just shamed myself for being in the position of needing help. Mm. So like, let's say I felt really overwhelmed. I I, I was going to teach at an event and I had to fly there and I was really tired and I didn't want to leave my kids. Instead of saying, dear God, please help me, help heal my heart. Mm. Give me energy. I said like, well, guess who should have said no to this? Guess Mm. who got herself into this predicament? Guess who has to stand up and finish the job she started? And that's, that's not the voice of God. That's not the right. voice of God as he reveals himself to us in scripture. That's not the, 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 the presence that I feel from him when I spend time with him in prayer. That's my own reading of him. That's, you right. know what I mean? Um, that's not who God is, but it's who I made him out to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so I realized that I needed to get to know once again, the God of love, of grace, of rest, mm-hmm. of peace, of acceptance. And some of the way I did that was through, um, essentially centering prayer and devotions in the morning. I found that if I started my day meditating on who God is and specifically his unconditional love, not his love if we accomplish this, not his love if we uh, do a great job of this, but just his love no matter what, from the beginning before we were created, from the beginning of time, no matter what, um, that if I spent my mornings focusing on that, there was a quality of connectedness with him that I felt through the rest of my days. And Mm. so I kind of relearned, I mean, obviously I grew up doing devotions and, and I did it, you know, through most of my life, just in, in that last really busy season, even if I was still doing them, I wasn't really listening to the words because I had this new voice of God that I had made up this sort of shameful, Mm -hmm. get back to work soldier voice. Mm -hmm. So I really had to relearn unconditional love and acceptance and grace and peace and rest. And, And that came through morning prayer. And so uh, when they came to me and said, what do you think about a devotion? I said, I, I think, I think the practice of devotion is changing my life. So right. yes. Wow. Mm. God brought that to you just at the right time. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's so cool. Well, other than being um, a devotional book, which I know is different from the books you've written in the past, um, what would you say that it is about Savor that differs from the books that you've written before? Well, you know, I th- the format is is the biggest difference. Um, there's a lot of there's, some of the content is from the previous books, mm-hmm. but it's broken up into little kind of bite sized chunks. And so the idea is that you could really just spend a couple minutes with it. And then the other difference, you know, is that there's a scripture verse for each one, <clears throat> and then there's a question for you to process. So mm-hmm. these aren't just my stories; these are my stories hoping hoping to get you in touch with your stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so the idea is that this would help you think about your own life, your own relationship with God, the people around your table, um, kind of the the growth path for you. Um, so I hope it's a real invitation. Um, uh, and one thing that's always been really important to me is that I want to write very specifically for people who might not understand kind of that insider language of faith, Mm -hmm. who might not be a part of a church community, who may not have grown up in a Christian family. I want them to feel very much included and invited. And so, um, I always write, I have this group of friends that I grew up with, um, and several of them are Christians now, but none of them were Christians when we were in high school together. Mm -hmm. And I always think about them. They are such intelligent, kind, wonderful, amazing women who didn't grow up uh, in the Christian community. And I want to write in such a way that it makes sense to them, that they don't feel excluded, that they don't feel like there's words they don't understand, that they feel like they're being invited into this kind of language and and tradition. So that's that's a priority to me. Well, and I would say that you absolutely did that. It is a very invitational and warm and like come in and and see what this is all about, kind of a a devotional. It's not intimidating at all. And the fact that you even included recipes it just mm-hmm. makes it, I don't know, it's like you're inviting someone into your home for some coffee and some cake and exactly. some time to hang out together. That's such a good way to describe it. That's way. that's about the biggest compliment ever. Thank you. That's, uh. I, I, one of the words we talk, when we talk about what it is that I'm, I'm trying to make, I want people to feel included, invited, connected, seen, like they're making a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want to be an expert or a pastor or a mentor. I, I want to be a friend and I want f- people to feel less mm-hmm. alone. Oh, I love that. Well, and I think that's just what's so inspiring about this because you, you're talking one about how I think um, for several of us who grew up in the church and strong in the faith, we do sometimes have such a doer's mentality and um, this earning of, of, God's favor and just striving and the excellence in living and you either have that or you don't and so you either feel like you're doing it or you don't and one I feel like this book is a bridge into what we often talk about a transformation of the mind the way that you think if we can change the way that we think then we can begin to bolt, to mold our beliefs and and our behaviors are going to begin to change and we're going to have that freedom in knowing that it's not in all of our striving and all of our doing and all of our performing. And at the same time, you've used this as a bridge for those who maybe aren't strong in their faith or don't have a faith to say, hey, come on in because the the table is big and Mm -hmm. it's warm here and it's inviting and it's full of love and we want you to be there. And so it's kind of like you've set this table through this book for both the believer and the unbeliever to come together and have a commonality of just sitting around having conversation, talking about the beauty of Christ, and being able to exhale. And I think that's what's so fantastic about this book is it creates freedom for women um, on both sides of the story. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. 
Um, Shauna, uh, the title of the book is on the cover says, Savor, Living Abundantly Where You Are As You Are. And I just wanted to hear from you, um, just what hopes do you have for your readers to take hold of that message, to live abundantly where they are as they are? Um, what hopes do you have for them and how do you hope that they can take hold of that and do that? I just know that uh, I feel like particularly uh, in my 20s, but also still now sometimes, one of the biggest things I regret when I think about in terms of regret is that I wanted to be someone else doing something else, like the Mm -hmm. ultimate kind of like FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, I I wanted to be doing spectacular things and my life didn't seem very spectacular. I wanted to be like a fabulously interesting person and I wasn't, I was just like kind of a normal person and, (laughs) and I kept thinking my life was about to start. Things were about to get amazing and um all I did was wait for something to start and it had already started and I was the last one to know. You know what I mean? Mm. Most of our lives are spent waiting for the real exciting stuff to start and I really regret that. And yeah. I think I think there's something really beautiful about saying this is where I am right now. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't pick it. I, I mean, if you guys could see right now the, the laundry situation I'm sitting in front of, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to count for you one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven baskets of unfolded laundry are sitting right in front of me. So if you picture me like, like that, I'm sitting on like an, a, like a, a beautiful, um, like little love seat in a sparkling sunroom. I'm not, um, my bed's not made and I'm sitting in front of seven baskets of laundry. Um, it's awesome. and this is my life yeah. and I love it. And it's the only one I'm going to have. And so I can either miss it or I can savor it. Wow. And um, you don't get the choice of picking which life you want. You get to decide if you're going to invest deeply in the one in front of you. Right. And I think there's so much beauty in that. There's so much power in that. I think when, when I look at the people that I want to be like, that I want to emulate, they're not people who are wrestling against the life God's given them, wishing it was something else. Mm-hmm. They're people who've said, I see it. I see what's mine. And I'm living it deeply yeah, and, yeah. and I see what's imperfect and I see what's lacking. And I'm not going to let that stand in the way of me loving the life I've been given. And it's not perfect. and It's not always easy, but it's mine. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, Love. I think it's so wonderful um, when people who are in the uh, in the Christian world or in the public eye in any kind of way to be so transparent about those mm-hmm. struggles, because at least we found with our listeners, so many women are just like, I feel like I'm abnormal for having these issues. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've, I haven't gotten the God thing right because I'm not, you know, they, they think they see a certain life that people are projecting. And the fact that you're just willing to be so open about just, you know, the reality of just being a woman and and being a mom and just what life looks like, I think it's just refreshing. So thank you so much for being so open about that. That's right. (laughs) Um, and before and we're going to wrap up in just a second here, but before we go, I wanted to ask you just one thing, and I think you've kind of alluded to it already. We're starting a new series um, for our podcast listeners in a, another month or so called Be Missional and Build. And it's about recognizing your own personal mission instead of comparing your mission to someone else's and building the kingdom of God that God has right in front of you. Um, what would advice would you give to women on how to be missional and to build that kingdom? Oh, I love that. I love that you're doing that. And, you know, the first thing I would say, and this is something I learned from my mom, um, is uh, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it doesn't have Mm. to be all at once. It just has to be something. And give yourself permission to try a bunch of different things. So, for example, um, uh, give yourself, try something new every month until you find your particular mission. A lot of us have no idea what it is, but we won't know just by thinking. We'll just know by trying it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So volunteer at a food pantry one month. And then the mm-hmm. next month, um, volunteer with babies. And then the next month, go on a trip. And then the next month, serve in a prison ministry. And then, and, and you'll know, your heart will tell you, but it won't tell you just sitting in your house. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you when you do it, you know? Um, I think that my mom always tells me, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be all at once. And you'll know by trying. Oh my gosh, um, and then also, I would say, pay attention to your tears. Um, pay attention to what makes you really angry. Pay attention to what captures you in a really emotional way, and that will lead you. Um, for me, it's hunger. Like, uh, there are certain injustices around the world that, frankly, I just probably should rile me up more than they do. But when I think about a mom not being able to feed her children, I go crazy. Like it makes me, it makes me cry. It makes me angry. It makes me like pace around the kitchen. And so that's why I serve in our care center. That's why I, um, volunteer with various, uh, hunger based organizations because that's my thing. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to what wells up your anger. My dad uses the phrase, you're wholly discontent. Um, mm. And I think those are, when we pay attention to those things, it, they will lead us to the place, uh, to the mission that God has for each of us. And don't worry about it being different than somebody else's. Um, I have friends who are up to their eyeballs in um, anti-human trafficking work, and I celebrate it. Yeah. And it doesn't make me think that needs to be my work. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Um, so, so celebrate great. what each person's call is and and shove each other out the door to do it and celebrate each other when you do and then let them be totally different yeah that's awesome mm. what a beautiful thing it's so oh freeing thank you shauna thank you so much for being with us yes. i know you've got a lot on your plate today so we're gonna let you go but we just so appreciate and are so blessed by our time with you so thank absolutely you. We oh thank you this doing. was my pleasure i really enjoyed talking <laughs> with you guys thank you Thank you for listening to the Beecast. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Be Still Be Free. And of course, check out our website, www.bestillbefree.com. <laughs>